0: mm <laughs> Gas chambers, and he said one or two derogatory things about his NATO allies. He said he he thought personally that as a Bundeswehr officer, it was incumbent on all Bundeswehr officers to keep a wary eye on their NATO partners because they weren't necessarily a good thing for Germany. He was court martialed because his fellow crew officers reported him to the German government. In England, unthinkable. I mean, if if an English naval officer, my father, the lieutenant commander, who's actually the same rank as this guy, if my father, he fought the Battle of Jutland and uh, the, 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 the Arctic Convoys, if my father had made a derogatory mark in private, in the privacy of his own home, to other officers about Her Majesty the Queen or something, he, he, his commanding officer would have called him over aside in the bar, perhaps he would have said, look here, old chap, chap, he not say that kind of thing, and we to avoid trouble, so, and that's the level it would have been dealt at, the idea of reporting the man. It's unthinkable, but it seems to be part of the Central European makeup. Because an instance in Ottawa two nights ago, when I spoke in Ottawa, we had a huge meeting in <coughs> the Congress Centre Ottawa. A thousand people turned up to hear me. Only 500 would get in because the usual friends were outside intimidating and threatening <coughs> people who did come in and filming. And on the evening television bulletin, there was a film shown with the people streaming in to hear me. And one of the people going in was identified by a fellow school teacher. With the result that she was called for a principal the next morning, two days ago, and she's been dismissed. Oh. In I mentioned these facts just to show that you talk about Nazi Germany as being a police state. You have to admit that Canada is turning a down a very sad lane when you see things happening like that. For sure. So in Auschwitz, they have dismantled the monument to the 4 million, and they don't know whether to replace it by a mon- monument to 1 million. And I would say, oh, wait a minute. You don't need such a big monument, because it doesn't need such a big figure. <laughs> the Auschwitz death books have been released by the Soviet authorities on September the 21st last year. We knew about the existence of death books in the, in the concentration camps, because in the first Nuremberg trial, the Mauthausen death books were introduced as evidence. They list meticulously the names of all prisoners, inmates of the concentration camp who die of any cause. They list them by name, by date, by place, by date of birth, cause of death, and all the rest. And the Auschwitz death books, ladies and gentlemen, let me describe them. 46 massive volumes, kept with typical German meticulousness, (coughs) listing the names of all the inmates who had died in three years. 1942, 1942 is complete. 1943, the death books are always complete. 1944, the death books are rather less complete. And they list, ladies and gentlemen, a total of 76,000 names. Well, I can hear you thinking 76,000 innocent people dying is bad enough, and let me state my position quite clearly. Years ago, I was asked by a German newspaper, Mr. Owen, what is your opinion, what in your opinion was the worst war crime? And I answered, not genocide. Innocenticide, the killing of innocents is the biggest crime in war. To say the biggest crime is genocide implies that in some way people of some race, the killing of them is worse than the killing of innocents of another race. And that's not true, of course. We all know in this room that the killing of any innocent people, in war or outside war, is a crime. And if seventy six thousand innocent people died in i'm saying died, they weren't killed necessarily. If 76,000 people were listed in the death books as having died in Auschwitz, then to my mind, this is something of a crime, and we need to examine it more closely. Remember, later I'm going to talk about the evidence on the British Secret Service file, but there are still all the evidence in the Russian archives, So <coughs> the people outside do not want to discuss in public here in Canada. what about the 76,000? Where they all killed? Were they all gassed? Well, we don't know how many were gassed just from these figures. What I can say is, look at the book written by Arnold Meyer the Jewish professor at Princeton University that I mentioned earlier. He stated in his book on the basis purely of his own experience as a historian working in the archives, although unfortunately he's rather imprecise in his book. He gives no sources, which I personally question. Arnold says that in his belief by far the largest part of those who died at Auschwitz died of natural causes. And he made himself very unpopular saying this. There were whole page attacks on him in Time and the Newsweek magazine and uh, you may understand why. By far the largest part of those 76,000 who died in Auschwitz died of natural causes. So suppose we just say over half died of natural causes. And suppose we take account of the fact that the death books of 1944 are incomplete and we round the figure up to 100,000 who died. This means that about half million have been killed while the other half died in natural causes. Age and judgment, 50,000 people were killed in Auschwitz killed in Auschwitz from 1942 to 1944. That is a crime, as I said. 50,000 innocent people. It's about as many people who died in Auschwitz in those three years as we British killed in Hamburg in one night. I use the German word, this is what we can now do. We can now say, Put an end to your lies about the Germans being the arch criminals of all time, who have committed the crimes that are the biggest crimes of this millennium, let alone this century. The crimes committed by the Germans, the crimes committed by these individual criminals, whether they're Auschwitz or the individual (coughs) Einsatzgruppen commander, task force commanders, behind the armies in the Russian front. These are no greater than no smaller than the crimes committed by Sir Arthur Harris, in Chief Hillary, come along. Or President Truman, giving the order on August second, 1945 to go ahead and drop the bomb on Hiroshima that killed 100,000 people. It's orders of magnitude. But can we be more specific about how the people died in Auschwitz? Yes, we can. The figure turns out to be even smaller. How about this? We were reading the secret code messages of the Commandant Auschwitz back to Berlin, his secret radio code traffic transmitted in the Enigma Code from 1942 to 1943. If I back traffic, ladies and gentlemen, explained to you that until recently, until about 1974, nobody officially knew or was saying what is the biggest secret of World War II, that so we British were reading the German secret codes, which of course enabled us to win the Battle of Al in the Battle of the Atlantic. From May 1940, for example, we knew exactly what orders the German Air Force, Hermann Göring, my figure, whose biography up written in the back, we knew exactly what orders he issued to the German bomber pilots, because we were reading his secret code messages, the operational orders to the German group of from May 1940. From May 1941, we had our computers breaking the machine code used by the German police and the SS, the Ordnungspolizei and the Sicherheitspolizei. We were breaking both those codes and reading, for example, all the messages sent by the Einsatzgruppen commanders from the Eastern Front back to Kurt Daluga, who was the head of the Ordnungspolizei in Berlin. On 13 September 1941, Kurt Daluga orders all the Einsatzgruppen commander uh, officers, when they're reporting their statistics day by day, not to give detailed statistics of executions, because, he says, we must always apprehend that the enemy might be able to read our codes. And he was too right. We read that message, and we read messages that the commanders continued to send all that autumn, reporting the executions of partisans and bandits and Jews and Russians and commissars, sometimes figures running into hundreds on monitor occasions, running into a total of several thousand. We read. And it's important to bear this in mind, ladies and gentlemen, because this means that we have those Documents in British archives throughout the war. Because there are always those wise guys, the Mike amongst them, they very wise gentlemen indeed. There are always those wise guys who say, Surely, Mr. Irving, you don't expect to find a document in the archives showing Adolf Hitler ordering the killing of the Jews or the gassing of the Jews. You don't expect to find a document in the archives proving that the Jews were gassed in afterwards. Of course. Nazis were so ruthless that in the last few weeks of the war when they realized they were going to lose, they gave orders to destroy all the incriminating papers. And it sounds easy, doesn't it? Orders to destroy all the incriminating papers. But it isn't as easy as that. If you've ever looked at archives, and you've seen that in Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington DC alone, the National Archives, they've got 10,000 tons of German records, most of which they still haven't had time to list them and catalog. You can't imagine even the most dedicated and ruthless Nazi in the last few weeks of a collapsing war when everybody was trying to fend for themselves and pretend and look out that nothing happened to them in person. Mm-hmm. Nobody had time. <coughs> Adolf Hitler is supposed to have said, in other words, destroy the borders, oh, and all the carbon copies, oh, and the teleprinter strips. And they said, and the teleprinter strips at the other end, and all the carbon copies at the other end, all the addresses of the signals went to and all the private diaries at the Feldsteil, the corporal whose teleprinter the message came through on the private diary, that <coughs> kept, and the letter that he wrote home to his mother about these terrible things that he was learning. Ladies and gentlemen, I've gone around the world now, and last five asked six years with my pocket full of thousand pounds, which on television programmes I take out and I say, a thousand pounds to anyone who can find one single shred of documentary wartime evidence that Adolf Hitler even knew about how It's all Holocaust. It whatever you want, they can't do it. And for two or three years, of course, I believed there had been some kind of Holocaust until two or three years ago. Then I came to the trial of MZundra in Toronto, and I was shown the defense exhibit, which was the forensic test followed upon the gas chambers, the so-called gas chambers. And these forensic tests showed that there was no significant trace whatsoever of cyanide gas left in the fabric of those gas chambers. And there should be. 'Cause the thirty-eighth of the thirty-eight tests was a test conducted in the little gas chamber where the clothing was fumigated in, in Auschwitz. The little gas chamber was still there, with gas type doors, the little armor plated uh, peephole and all the rest of it. And in the walls of that gas chamber there's a massive concentration of cyanide compounds still present with this, which this forensic test established at one thousand and forty milligrams of cyanide per one kilogram of cement. So why is there no no trace of cyanide in the walls of rooms where millions of Jews were apparently gassed. Yet a massive dose of cyanide is still present in the walls of the little gas chamber where clothing was fumigated with cyanide. It's an important question. Well, the answer is, ladies and gentlemen, that the gas chambers that are shown to the tourists in Auschwitz are fakes. This shouldn't surprise us. We can believe that easily. Well, German historians still can't believe it or find it hard to believe. A lot of the leading German historians are my best friends. There's Professor Berns Martin, who's the head of the Freiburg History Department, University of Freiburg, with 40,000 students under him. He said to me on uh, September 3rd, again in fact, he said, Mr. Irving, there are gas chambers, there were gas chambers in Auschwitz, I've been there four or five times, of course he's always taken the students, there groups of his students to go and have their noses rubbed in the gas chambers. And he said, Pranticek, people, the director of the museum of Auschwitz is a friend of mine. And he said, I've looked at the gas chambers, and he said there were definitely gas chambers, not only in Auschwitz I, but also in Auschwitz two, three or five kilometers away. And then Bert, uh, Professor Bernd Martin said the following. Was, this was about like two o'clock in the morning, we were both trying a bottle of wine, and he was talking to me privately in a way that I suppose he later regretted. He said, of course, one thing was plain to me, the gas chamber they show to the tourists. That's fake. I said, what do you mean, that's fake? He said, well, I said to Professor, Professor Franticek Pieper, the director of the archives, I pointed out to him certain inconsistencies. For example, under the doors, ladies and gentlemen, in, in the gas chamber, there's a gap this big at each end of the so-called the, 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 the gas chambers. They're not gas-tight he doors, there's a gap that big. Those gas chambers are drafty. <laughs> <laughs> and then various other things you saw, like the difficult, Polish workmanship on some of the difficult Polish workmanship on some of the additions that have been put on the roof and so on. And he said, I called people's attention he had to listen to this because it's kind of you He said, I called Professor Peter's attention to this, and Piper admitted, he said, Oh yes, of course, we built this after the war for the tourists. <coughs> and it t- turned out later on that the crematorium was also built after the war for the tourists. Which doesn't surprise anybody who goes there. If you go there, ladies and gentlemen, have a look at the crematorium and you'll notice the odd fact for a, for a crematorium that there's no connection whatsoever. Between the crematorium furnaces, the retorts, and the chimney standing on outside. That too is dark. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that there's no so on it. It's never been used. It's all been built there uh, like some kind of macabre Disney World. For the tourists to come and pay their fees to go and walk through and have a bit of a shudder. So they can say they've seen a gas chamber. Which is where we now have hundreds of thousands of eyewitnesses who've seen gas chambers. But even Bernd Martin hadn't seen it because he was still telling me Mr. Ergen, they're cash chambers. I saw them. The fact hasn't sunk in with. And I said, but wait a minute, you told me you saw dummies. He said, oh yes, but yes the ones they showed me were dummies. But the real ones are in Auschwitz too. They're three kilometers away. And I said, but those aren't showing the tourists. Oh no, they show us the, the convenient ones. I said, isn't it logical to ask why they don't show the tourists the real ones, why they build the dummies? Oh, well. He didn't want to go into it much further. <laughs> <laughs> so if we go back to the signals that the British decoded from Rudolf Hess, Commandant of Auschwitz, HLESS, to the Wirtschaft und Verwaltungshauptamt, Verval- Verval- which was the governing body of all the concentration camps in Germany, it turns out that the British the government code and cipher school, which was our equivalent to the NSA, the, the, deco- the, the deciphering agency of the British government in wartime, we had cracked the code of the SS concentration camps and we were reading on a daily basis the daily returns of the Commandants of Auschwitz, Buchenwald, Mauthausen, Dachau and three or four other German concentration camps. <laughs> Let me tell you what those returns contain. They contain a series of figures and facts. The first figure was the number of inmates who had arrived the previous day. The second figure was the number of inmates who had departed the previous day. The third figure was the total number of inmates on hand at the end of the previous day. And the fourth figure was what I would call other losses. Other losses, I've chosen that as a translation of the German words Alpha and Art, because other losses, of course, is the title of oh, a book a friend of mine, the liberal the historian and novelist Jim Black, who lives in Toronto here, for me this morning wish well. So other losses. The British Secret Service deduced that other losses meant deaths. It meant only deaths. Just on the basis of statistical analysis, you can see that the other losses referred only to deaths, and it in turn was broken up into the categories disease, execution, execution by hanging, execution by firing squad. Now, listen to this. Professor Hinsley, who is the official British government historian, who wrote the history of the British government, the British Secret Service in World War II. Professor Frank Hinsley, he's now the Master of St. John's College in Cambridge University. He states on his analysis of all these documents which are still in the archives of the British Secret Service and never been to be released to the public, we can you know guess why. He states in volume two of his official history appendix, page 669, that upon analysis of the Daily returns of the Auschwitz concentration camp, it becomes completely clear that nearly all of her, the deaths, nearly all of the deaths were due to disease. The others were by execution, <coughs> by hanging, and by firing squad. There is no reference, and I'm quoting this thing, there is no reference whatever to any castings. So why hasn't this extraordinary revelation been headlined in a the newspapers around the world? It's not just some cranky, self-appointed, British neo-fascist, neo-Nazi pseudo-historian. New journalists who are present can take those words down. It's not just some pseudo-historian from Britain saying this. This is the British official historian, Professor Hinsley, who had unlimited enough access to the archives of the SIS, the Secret Intelligence Service, and to the archives of the British Code-breaking Agency, who says that in Auschwitz, nearly all the deaths were due to disease, There is no reference whatsoever to Gaskins. How about that? Now do you begin to see, ladies and gentlemen, why the organized, self-appointed Jewish bodies in Canada are doing their utmost to prevent me from addressing these facts to intelligent, learned, educated audiences across this free country. It is because those two facts are the two torpedoes, the death books and the deciphered messages. They are the two torpedoes that would sink the battle of Schwitz if it wasn't already found in its own People will say, well, what about the eyewitnesses? I can only repeat what I said on my last occasion. I have some sympathy with the eyewitnesses. I know the terrible, traumatic ordeal they went through. Auschwitz was not a holiday camp. Auschwitz was a brutal slave labor camp run by the SS for the purpose of providing slave labor for the IG Farben synthetic rubber plant, four or five miles away. But these eyewitnesses are mistaken if they say they saw casting operations going on. And there is not one single shred of evidence in the archives anywhere I've sat in the archives now for 30 years looking for it. Not one wartime German document talks about gas chambers. Now I know that at the back of the minds of one or two of you, and in fact the journalists present, they may flash the document that was thrown on the screen at the end of the courthouse room in the Supreme History Court in Toronto when I gave it was the general case. And this was <coughs> one document which contained the word Keller. <coughs> There was a letter from an architect to an engineer in Auschwitz, saying, because of the fact that the winter has onset before we <coughs> finish concreting in the roof, of the lighting the mortuary, we're going to have to use the cellar for a while. <coughs> Vergazenskeller could be translated as gas cellar, gas basement, gassing basement. But those of you who are German will know that many German words are capable of more than one, more than two of them. <laughs> interpretations and translations. You can translate that word as gassing cellar, and you would have been entitled to look on the blueprint of that building as such a gassing cellar. You wouldn't find it. But of course the word gassing in German means not only for gas, but also to gasify, to turn something into gas. As in a motor car, all your cars, your motor cars have a gassing cellar, a carburetor. And in a crematorium, which is what this building was, where high temperatures, the highest temperatures, are needed for the cremation process that would have been a combustion process involving a fergason, no question at all. So this document was relatively meaningless, as are the other documents that use the word fergason. I think that there's one more, for example, which has been published by the author, the Holocaust author, Jean-Claude Présac. Jean-Claude Présac has published a great big volume, this big, of blueprints and photographs and documents. A magnificent volume, he published it on behalf of the Holocaust historians, attempted to be a blockbuster to write the end to the likes of Ernst Zündel. But to my mind, that blockbuster does more harm to the battleship Auschwitz than it does to us. Because although this volume shows that there were undoubtedly crematoria and barracks and that there were buildings and that there were all sorts of bathhouses and things in Auschwitz. Not one of the documents or blueprint shows a gas chamber. The only documents that mention Pekazon are the one document that I just described to you and another one which at first sight is in fact a real killer. It is signed by Rudolf Hurs himself, a circular to the senior officials of Auschwitz concentration camp, saying that there have been a number of unfortunate accidents to members of the Auschwitz camp staff due to inadequately heeded safety precautions during Fechhausen's operation, gassing operations. <laughs> and this life's real, looks like a real killer. But you've got to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that Auschwitz was a major site. I could show you the very impossible. There are two or three hundred buildings, each housing two or three hundred prisoners. Europe was in the grip of a terrible typhus plague, which was being borne by vermin, by rats, by typhus-bearing lice, People who arrived in Auschwitz came from the most the meanest hovels in Europe sometimes. They were sent through the bathhouses, the clothing was sent through this little cash chamber to kill off the permanent lights the to disinfect the clothing. And the whole campsite was repeatedly disinfected using cyanide gas. If you go to the Southern States of the United States New a House in Florida, for example, the first question you're going to ask the estate agent is <coughs> The first question again ask his, his state agent is, when was this house last tented? Tented, tented means that the, the wooden frame house is completely wrapped into tarpaulins, and men in special security clothes go in with cyanide gas to kill all the termites and rats and cockroaches and vermin. And that's what he did on these huge sites in Nazi Germany and Central Europe. They had to disinfest the buildings one by one, the doors and windows were closed, the cyanide... Pellets were tossed in, my men were in special protective clothing, and then the buildings had to be properly ventilated before anybody could go in and set foot in them. These were the gassing operations, and if you didn't need the safety precautions, then you suffered personal injury. And Rudolph Hurst is writing warned his staff, warning them that he wouldn't accept the consequences if they don't follow the safety precautions. And if you are still skeptical, that you think this is <coughs> special pleading, bear this in mind. In the district court, when the first document was thrown on the wall, I said to the prosecuting counsel, uh, One moment, can we have that document on the screen again, please? And I said, yes. This document is important not for what it has on it, but for what it doesn't have on it. It doesn't have a secret stamp. We're told that the Holocaust was the top secret operation for killing millions of people. Top secret crime of And yet there's no security classification on this document to show the jury. In fact, you could argue that this is a carbon copy, so perhaps they forgot to rub a stamp Germans don't forget that. You could argue that. But you can't argue the fact that the document has what the Germans call a Briefbuchnummer, a, re- a letter register number. The German civil service practice requires that every letter has a letter register number, a Briefbuchnummer. And the last two or three letters <coughs> added to it, the number goes something like 23759 slash which is the year, followed by G.E.H. Geheim, followed or by G.K.D.O.S., Geheimer Kommando Sahar, military state secret, Geheimer Reich Sahar, civilian military state secret. This document didn't happen, <coughs> nor, nor did the Rudolf post document, the one I mentioned about the Fekhars There was no security classification on either document, so these weren't top secret documents at all. They were documents of what I would call a janitorial devil, Literally, <laughs> concerned with the fugition of the camp. And you can't read anything more or less into it than that. But the other historians, the so-called academic historians, haven't spotted it. It's taken a so silver-pointed pseudo-historian at point out. I can carry on for some time yet. Let me mention only one more fact. Whenever you see television movies or films about the Holocaust, retain a skeptical mind. When you saw that recent film last year by Herman Wuch, War and Remembrance, you saw all the highly paid actors being um, ushered by the SS guards who were all played by British actors, incidentally, this is part of the way Hollywood works. All the masters now are British actors. <laughs> <laughs> they were being ushered into the gas chambers at Auschwitz. The publicity media said that the whole of that scene was filmed in Auschwitz itself, on site, on location. In fact, it wasn't. The gas chamber scenes were not filmed. <coughs> on on site in Auschwitz, they were filmed in Hollywood. A little details.